Up next, they're all veterans. They're all elderly. And they all die in strangely similar circumstances. We knew Dad was not well. We just thought it was his time. This cluster of deaths alarms medical investigators. It's not only a whodunit, it's a whatdunit. The bodies of the dead men are exhumed. Can they speak from the grave to reveal what killed them? To this day, I still cannot put into words what these families endured. We had to prove what happened and who did it. There was nothing we weren't going to do to ensure justice. Robert Kozol spent most of his life in Fairmont, West Virginia, a rural town about 25 miles from the border with Pennsylvania. He built a house there and raised two boys with Shirley, his wife, of 43 years. He tried to do everything that was the right way the first time, and he tried to teach those values to my brother Bob and I, and I think he did a good job of it. One place Robert Kozel learned those values was during his military service as a paratrooper with the U.S. Army's 11th Airborne Division at Fort Campbell, Kentucky. He was proud to be a veteran. He was proud of the service he, he did for his country. He loved his country more than anything. In January of 2018, Bob Kozel had a health scare and was eventually sent to a nearby Veterans Affairs Hospital, the Lewis A. Johnson Medical Center in Clarksburg, West Virginia. It's a very busy hospital. I know folks come from northern West Virginia, from all over, uh, to go there because a lot of the folks that live around here are veterans, uh, particularly the older folks. He had been going for all of his visits and his doctoring on a regular basis up there. So we had no problem taking him to the VA. Initial testing indicated Bob suffered a minor stroke. It wasn't life-threatening, but doctors had him stay at the hospital overnight for observation. So we all went home, and um, we felt that he was going to be safe and well taken care of. The next day, Bob's family went to check on him and found him disoriented and unable to speak. Something was wrong. His sugar was low, and they just didn't know why. But they were just giving him some sugar and trying to get it to come back up, and he should be okay once they got it up. But that didn't happen. Bob Kozel died. And at first, doctors weren't sure what killed him. He was 89 years old. There was a lot of question at that point, and we didn't have any answers. Two other elderly veterans died shortly after Bob Kozel. Like him, they suffered hypoglycemic shock, a severe drop in blood sugar. These hypoglycemic deaths really started to stick out in the spring of 2018 when, number one, there was a cluster of them. The main cause is usually medications used to treat diabetes, such as insulin. Severe hypoglycemia in non-diabetic patients is extremely rare. In all these cases, Doctors attempted to revive the patients with a dose of dextrose, essentially highly concentrated sugar. But it didn't work. 
Could these repeated failures be a coincidence? It didn't seem likely. These hypoglycemic events were totally abnormal, uh, out of the blue, uh, and, and, and should not have occurred. By the summer of 2018, a total of eight veterans died of causes related to hypoglycemic shock, all at the same West Virginia Veterans Hospital, which had investigators worried that these deaths were anything but natural and might possibly be murder. It wasn't accidental. It was not based on medication. Something was happening here, and it was happening frequently enough that it appeared to be deliberate. Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Whether it's routine maintenance and emergency repair or a dream project, Angie lets you compare quotes from multiple local pros, browse homeowner reviews, and even book a service instantly. Angie's been connecting people with skilled pros for nearly 30 years. So the next time you have a home project, bring it to Angie to get your job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. In the summer of 2018, doctors at the Lewis A. Johnson Veterans Hospital in West Virginia were facing a cluster of unexplained deaths. For eight people to die of conditions connected to hypoglycemic shock at the same hospital inside of a year was unprecedented and needed to be explained before more people died. Could it be someone who is using the wrong needles? Could it be someone um, who's using the wrong type of insulin? Or, uh, you know, could, could a medication be bad? The dead were Air Force veteran George Shaw, Army and Air Force veteran Raymond Golden, Navy veterans Russell Posey and Robert Edge Sr., and Army veterans Archie Edgel, William Holloway, Robert Kozel, and Felix McDermott. Despite the commonality of symptoms, the official causes of death varied. The families did not request an autopsy. These were elderly patients. They all had um, additional medical issues. That's why they were in the hospital. Doctors, still trying to find out how or even if these deaths were connected and suspecting they were murders, wanted autopsies. The problem was all the victims had been buried for months. Felix McDermott's family was among the first to be contacted. My sister called me, and I don't think I said it, but I was thinking it. Who did he piss off? <laughs> Sometimes my dad does that, but, you know, it was a shock. And if Felix McDermott was murdered, his family had no doubt he'd want justice. And if that meant exhuming his body, they were sure he'd approve. My dad would have wanted it. He would want to do everything he can possibly do to catch this person. He's going to tell them, do what you have to do to get this person. So, in a rare move, Felix McDermott's body was dug up and sent to doctors from the Armed Forces Medical Examiner System at the Air Force Base in Dover, Delaware. McDermott had not fallen in the line of duty, but doctors still felt a keen responsibility to find out how he died. What happens behind these walls is incredibly sacred, and when 
the bodies of these veterans were brought here. They were treated in accordance with our protocols, which is utmost respect at all times. By the time of Felix McDermott's autopsy, he had been buried for six months. This was going to be incredibly challenging because there was extensive decomposition. We were not able to get blood samples for toxicologic analysis because, you know, there, there was not any, no suitable samples were available. Despite the considerable challenges of performing an autopsy on an exhumed body, doctors had some good information to work with. They knew that McDermott and other veterans had been treated with dextrose after going into hypoglycemic shock. And they knew that this dextrose didn't do what it was designed to do, jumpstart the victim's blood sugar. This led to a theory that someone had injected the victims with so much insulin that their blood sugar levels could not possibly recover. We were looking for evidence of insulin administration. Another question that we had for the investigators is, how do you think the, the insulin was administered? In Felix McDermott's lower abdomen, doctors found a bruise caused by what was probably a needle puncture. This area was tested for the possibility of insulin injection. We took a section of that area, looked at it under the microscope, and we saw features that were suspicious for an injection site. We stained it for insulin and found out that it was positive. That told me that he was injected with insulin at that location. Since Mr. McDermott was a non-diabetic who was never prescribed insulin in the hospital, that is a major red flag. This left these medical detectives with no doubt that Felix McDermott had been murdered, which left a lot of open questions about the strange deaths of his fellow veterans, seven of whom were also exhumed and autopsied. Could a serial killer be stalking the halls of a West Virginia veterans hospital? If so, whoever it was had done a great job of covering the trail. There was no surveillance camera footage on the ward in the VA Medical Center. There were no eyewitnesses, there were no fingerprints, there was no DNA, there was no murder weapon. Ground zero for the investigation into the deaths of eight military veterans was the hospital where they all died, the Lewis A. Johnson Medical Center in Clarksburg, West Virginia. They immediately suspect they have a serial killer who is going after patients in the local hospital, which is a terribly scary uh, prospect. But who, who is it? There's over 1,200 employees at the hospital post-exhumation autopsies left no doubt the murder weapon was insulin. How could this happen? The answer was shocking. An in-house investigation revealed that insulin was easy for almost anyone in this hospital, a staff member, a patient, or even a visitor, to get their hands on. We discovered that insulin at the facility was not secure. It was out in the open, and it was not tracked. From there, the problems for investigators got even worse. More than a year had passed since the first victim's death. 
Whoever did this might literally have gotten away with multiple murders. It became clear very early on that it was very unlikely we were going to have any smoking gun. We weren't going to have a murder weapon or any physical evidence for that matter. Once you have the medical evidence, which is that someone gave these patients insulin, of course, now you have to prove who gave these patients insulin. Among the things all the victims had in common was that they were treated in the same ward at the Veterans Hospital, Ward 3A. And by backtracking when the symptoms began to appear with all the victims, investigators concluded the shot of insulin that sent them into hypoglycemic shock happened on the overnight shift. There were only four employees in the whole hospital who had been on shift each of the days that these men had experienced this hypoglycemic event. Um, one of those employees was on the ward where these events took place, and that was Rita Mays. 44-year-old Rita Mays was a veteran herself. She'd served in the National Guard and had been working as a nursing assistant at the VA hospital since 2015. She was actually the 2016 recipient uh, for the Nursing Award of Excellence at the facility, and she didn't have a criminal history. But a background check revealed some potentially disturbing information about Rita Mays. The investigators found that she had left her previous employment as a jail guard under suspicion of using excessive force against an inmate. So that gave a little bit of a red flag that she could be someone who could be violent. Further checking revealed a home life in disarray. Rita's eldest son was in jail on drug charges, and her husband was also behind bars. Rita's husband was in federal prison for uh, child pornography, possession of child pornography, but um, she was standing by her husband uh, while he was in federal prison. Detectives had more than enough evidence for a search warrant and examined Rita's digital footprint, her web activity, text messages, and viewing habits. What we did find was that she had watched episodes of Nurses Who Kill, and several of these episodes involve providing insulin to patients and causing their death. Rita also complained to co-workers, sometimes about patients who later died. The investigative team recovered messages that Rita Mays would send to co-workers in which she would complain about some of the victims in the case or indicate that she was frustrated with them. I think she said something along the lines of, I'm going to kill this patient. I had this other patient resting and now he's got him all riled up and they won't settle down. So ultimately, you know, something that a lot of people say in frustration, they don't necessarily mean it. In fact, on a couple of occasions, Rita participated in life-saving measures to save the patients. If she was a serial killer, there was no solid evidence to prove it. Investigators on the cases of eight veterans who died under mysterious circumstances at a West Virginia VA hospital had become convinced a nurse, Rita Mays, was a serial killer. The medical evidence was very compelling, but there were challenges in proving that Rita Mays was the person who committed these crimes. And that was because we didn't have surveillance in the hospital. So really what we were left with was a circumstantial case. 
but another piece of circumstantial evidence bolstered the case against Rita Mays. There were numerous phone calls with her husband, who was in prison on child pornography charges. As part of standard prison procedure, these calls were recorded. I had to take over setting one of the one-on-ones, so the other aide could come out and work on the floor. And the one I was sitting with, I wanted to freaking strangle. What? I couldn't keep him in bed. He finally, at about 6.50, fell asleep. He'll sleep all day. Be up all night. Mm-hmm. Probably. Which means I'll have to deal with him again tonight. That night, when she did go back to work and was assigned to sit with that patient, you saw a subsequent drop in the victim's blood sugar value. And ultimately, that patient died. Because of the absence of direct evidence, what came next was something of a cat and mouse game between Rita and detectives. The one prevailing theme from Rita Mays' first interview was a comment she made repeatedly to the investigative team that things were being missed. However, when she was asked to expand on this, she didn't. I just see that things, I just don't see, things are being missed. Like what? I don't know, but it just, it's like, patients will be fine and then the next minute their, their sugar's low. You know, we've had several of them and I don't know what's being missed. In later interviews, investigators made it clear. They told Rita they knew she killed those veterans. It's up to you. Will you let me help you? I don't know how you can help. She was confronted with all the evidence. When she was asked what the prosecutors would think after looking at the evidence, she herself said, it looks like I did this. She could just never bring herself to confess. Please join us in fixing the system. You have a voice. You can tell us what's been going on here. You can help us. There was one point during that interview where Rita sat back in the chair and she looked up at the ceiling. And I think she really saw everything that the investigative team had put together. Uh, and that we had at that point connected the dots uh, and we knew her to be the one that had done this. Ultimately, we'll never know why Rita Mays killed these defenseless people, these honorable men. But the investigation seems to tell us it had a lot to do with some hero complex, that she wants to be the one that, that found uh, that these patients had a low blood sugar and, and that uh, could participate in trying to save their lives. Investigators had put together a chilling case. For reasons Rita has never explained, she went on a course of premeditated murder. Alone in the room with her victims, she injected them with insulin that was readily available in the hospital. The resulting shock to the bodies of these elderly veterans was deadly. The medical staff trying to save them had no idea the person working right by their side was a serial killer. She would insinuate herself into the life-saving procedures. Other times she would sit and cry with and cry while she held these patients' hands. 
It was just difficult to imagine that somebody could do that, that somebody could walk around and say, oh, let's let's inject this one tonight, and oh, let's inject this one tomorrow night. It's just unimaginable. Some of them could have lived another 10, 15, 20 years. And some could have just passed the next day on their own. And I hope that everyone who sees this prays for all of us, because it is a hard thing to go through. In the summer of 2020, Rita Mays pled guilty to seven counts of murder and one count of assault with intent to commit murder. She received the maximum sentence, life behind bars. In the federal system, there is no such thing as parole. Rita Mays will spend the rest of her life in prison. The judge called her the monster that no one saw coming. Because of the ages of her victims and her unusual choice of murder weapon, Rita Mays almost got away with murder. The problem was that she couldn't stop killing, which ultimately created enough evidence to expose her. The hospital said what happened doesn't represent the quality health care veterans deserved and vowed to make changes to ensure patient safety. But thanks to science and investigators' determination to get to the truth, the questions about these deaths and who was responsible have been laid to rest along with the victims. These people were honorable men who served our country. They were fathers, they were brothers, they were grandfathers, they were even great-grandfathers. And so I refuse to focus on Rita Mays and what I think of her. I focus on, on these victims that we brought justice to.